Now this is Old Testament. This is David. I mean, he that we that every one of God's promises are yes and amen. Every one of them. Every single promise is yes and amen. That we will not be put to shame. I don't have to sit and worry about being put to shame. Why? Because he is faithful. He's always faithful. He's always good. His plan for us is always to prosper. We will not be put to shame. And our enemies definitely aren't going to triumph over us. Verse 3, No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Man, I love the word. There it is again. We will never be put to shame. Why? Because He is true. Because He is faithful. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. You know, the, the people that are out there trying to influence the world against Christ. They're the, they're, they, theirs will be the downfall. Do you know what their downfall is though? Do you know how we should pray that their downfall will be? We should pray that they get saved. That's the beginning of their downfall. Lord, save them. Father, I pray that every kid on that floor gets saved. Every kid in that dorm gets saved. That the, that the resident advisors get saved. The, the, the resident hall directors get saved. I pray, Father, that, that a revival sweeps that school in Jesus' name. And in every school that our kids go to. This school in, in this area, in the in the Stillwater and in, in the wherever your town is. Shout out your town real quick. All of those towns that the that a power of God sweeps through those places and changes this world. Verse four. How do we do this? Verse four says, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. And then lastly, verse 6. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. He is faithful. Amen? Let's all stand. How are we doing back there? Did I give you enough time? All right. Father, we thank You that You are faithful. That Your mercy is new every single morning. That Your strength never wanes. Your strength never fails. Your promises are yes and amen. There is nothing that You're not able to do. There is nothing that You're not able to, to accomplish. You, Your Word, You and Your Word are faithful and true. And that everything You've said is good. And that Your Word for us will carry us through all the way to the end and into eternity. We thank You for it, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. I got something to say. Um, I just feel from the Lord, we need to be open to who God's going to call into our midst. And it may not be what we expect. I want to give you a couple examples from my life, from my first wife's life. We lived in Springfield, Minnesota. 
There was a lady in town who killed her kid with a knife because somebody, the devil told her to do it. She went away to the hospital for a couple of years. When she returned to our little town, it's not like returning to the city. Everybody knows you. Everybody knows who you are. Everybody knows what you did. My wife says, Jim, we're taking her in. She's going to become part of us. You know, we're going to accept her. We're going to love her. We're going to build her. And, and we did. We accepted her, we loved her, and we built her. But who knows whom God is calling you to be hands and feet to. It's not always who we expect. Who we expect. I was thinking of another story down in the inner city of St. Paul. I lived there uh, 13 years. Lord called us to move down there. We can't minister to them, I felt, from the Lord unless we lived there. Well, there was a prostitute on our street about a block away, working the street all the time. And my wife goes down there and starts talking to her and, and asks her to pray. If she could pray with her and starts ministering to her, brought her into our house. She was a former pastor's wife, is what she was at the church I attended. She is the pastor's wife years ago. And we wanted to call her back. We wanted to minister to her and to give her the opportunity to return to the Lord. I mean, that is our life. That is what God is. God's going to call this church to do it. That's what I sense. It's going to be here. It's going to be here. It's not going to look the same a year from now, two years from now. This church is not going to look the same. You know, and that's what God's calling us to do. And that takes risk. It always takes risk. You know, you let people into your lives that are not safe. That's just, the, that takes risk and it takes faith. You know, I, I, I know we've done that. I know ever, lots of, Pastor Vern has done that a lot, but we lived there. We lived in the middle of it. And we had people in our house all the time. You know, that's just the way it was. I don't know if that's going to be our life again. It, it wore me out, actually. It, it took a toll. But that's what God has called. I feel this church is going to change, and we need to be open to it. That's all I got to say is we need to be open to it and welcome people as Jesus would welcome them. We need to be Jesus to people, you know, lay down our own lives. If we lose our life, we lose it. You know, it's no big deal. You know, our lives are not our own anyway. So that's the way we have to look at it. So that's all I got to say about that. Amen. You may be seated. Turn with me to John chapter 20. What Jim just said is very interesting to me. Because, you know, as i preparing for this morning, the Lord has put something on my heart, and it's right along that same line. You know, he said, the thing that he said was it was uncomfortable. You know, in America, we all, have been conditioned to not want uncomfortable. 
We have actually been conditioned to uh, you know, enter comfortableness as much as possible, to seek being comfortable, to, to crave being comfortable. Everything about life. You can sit down and watch a, a TV show for a couple of hours. Nothing there, very little there is there to tell you you need to get outside of yourself and be, you know, and, and take a chance and, and go out. No, it's all about how can I pamper myself? How can I, how can I make my life better? How can I eat better food and wear better clothes? And, wear, and I just want to be happier and I just want to be, we've become very selfish. Now this isn't, I, and all morning long I've been struggling because, you know, this isn't one of those, you know, yay, you know, people aren't going to go, yay, he's stepping on my toes, yay. But, you know, here we are. This is, this is reality. Why? Because there's a world out there that's dying. There's a world out there that's falling apart. And they need hope. They need help. We need, as a body, last week, last week I talked about uh, the sons of Issachar. And the word says that they understood the times and they knew what to do about it. They knew what Israel was supposed to do. Well, we are them. We understand the times. We understand that this world is failing. We could just watch the news, you can listen to it, you can you could just look out your front door, you can go walk through a dorm room at a college, and you can see that this world is failing. It's failing miserably. And people are scared, people are are sad, people are lost. I mean, can you imagine, you know, as hard as it is to read the news and to, to watch the news and to, to hear what's going on in the world as a Christian? But then try to do it without Christ. Try to live in this world without Christ. You know, I've told this story a few different times, but years ago I had a very good friend of mine. And I had gone out to um, Vegas, Las Vegas, to, to visit him. And I stayed at his house. And he had to go to work. And I was just hanging out in the house. And, and uh, he, he said, I'll be back at such and such a time. And I, I was there by myself. And all of a sudden... Just a, a dread came all over me. Just a, a dread and, and a fear. It's just like it was tangible. It was just, it was, it was hanging. It was just like, it got stronger and stronger. And it was like, I started getting scared. I'm like, and I don't get scared. I very seldom ever get worried, get scared. But I mean, I'm thinking there's something wrong and I don't know what's wrong and this is bad. And I finally just said, Lord, what is going on? And I began to pray. I said, Lord, what is the matter? And he said, this is the way he feels every day. It had been so long since I had felt that. that I did, it, just, it was so foreign to me. Why? Because I had Christ. I had hope. I had life. I had a, a desire, a, a belief that the future is actually bright. You know, and we can forget that. That's the problem is we as Christians, because we actually live in a bubble, as, as bad as you think it might be this week or this day, it's still way better than hell. It's still, it's still way better than a moment without Christ. But there is a world out there living without Christ. There is a world out there that, is, that is, has no answer for what's happening to them. Except what the world tries to feed them. Well, it's just nature. It's just, it's just science. You know, you're a product of a mistake. You're a mistake. But you're here. So good luck. Well, we know better. We have an answer. 
we have a hope. And not just a hope for the future, not just a hope for, for heaven, but for a, a hope for today. That he has given us life and life more abundantly. And it is our responsibility to tell others. It is our responsibility to put our life out there for others. Now, not everybody's going to go to Prescott. I get that. But there is going to be so many, there is and there is going to be so many opportunities in the days ahead to get outside of our comfort zone and to do something you're not ready for. You might think, well, I'm not ready to share my faith or I'm not ready to counsel somebody. I'm not ready to bring a prostitute into my house. Just letting that one sink in for a second. A murderer. A drug addict. A whatever is not you. You think, well, no, that, that's somebody else. You know, that's that's those guys. That they're the ones that handle that. No, it's us. Why? Because there is somebody. There is somebody. So, I encourage you. Pray about Don't just pass it on. Pray about what you're supposed to be a part of. Not, you don't have to be... You don't, I'm not going to check and go, Oh, their names are not on this list. This will... But going back to John chapter 20, beginning with verse 30. This is part of the reading this week in case you were up to date, or in case you're wondering. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 30, 30 says, Jesus performed, this is the, the well, it's the, it's the very end of the book of John. And John wrote, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. That's why He did what He did. Why He came to this earth. Now, think about this. Jesus came to the earth, the earth that was full of corruption, full of sin, full of death, full of hate, full of, of anti-Him. You know, we hear that, that, that phrase, Antichrist. What is Antichrist? It's anything that's against Him. It's against Him. It's, against, it's a disbelief in Him. It's a, a distrust of Him. It's a dis-anything a, 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 a dis of God. The world hated God. And as He found out, even the, even the, the, the religion that was a part of what God had established through the, through the Israelites, they didn't want him around. They hated him. He said, if you hate me, then you hate, your, my, you hate my father. That was, that, was, that was very harsh. Why? Because they had, been, they had gotten comfortable. They'd, they had grown comfortable. It's us. it's us. We're the chosen ones. We have this special place in, in God's world. Everybody else, well, they can just go to hell. When Jesus left heaven, I mean, you want to talk about comfortable. Heaven is comfortable. 
Heaven is awesome. It's where God is. It's where life is. It's where purity is. It's where holiness. There's no death there. There's no lying there. There's no sin there. There's no temptation there. There's just It's good. It's amazing. It's wonderful. You know, we're all waiting and looking forward to getting there. He chose to leave. You want to talk about uncomfortable? I mean, from the day, from the moment he got there, they were trying to kill him. From the moment he arrived as a little baby. You want, how, why would God, why would God send his little tiny, his, his only son into an absolute pit? Because he loved them. He loved us. It was worth sending your only son into the pit, into the hole. Why? Because they, there is no other way. He, he couldn't do it any other way. He had to come. And he had to live among us, and he had to show us that there is a different way to live. And the only way they're going to understand is that we live a different life amongst them. We come in and we live differently. And we say, hey, there's a hope. Hey, there's a difference. You can be different. You can live differently. Does that mean that the, you know, the things are still going to happen and there's still going to be violence and there's still going to be hate? And there's still... Yeah, all that stuff will happen until the end. Always has, always will. The difference will be is the perspective of your life. Jesus came to this earth and he performed many miracles. And, the, and, and John says the whole reason all of that stuff happened was to show that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. And that through him there is life eternal. But then he left. That's the thing that's been striking me all week. That's the thing that's been just he left. He not only left heaven to come down here, just when, just when he, I mean, he got raised from the dead, his, his disciples are finally believing in him, they're, they're starting to get this thing, the things are moving forward, we're just picking up some speed, and then he goes, see you later. And we slide over to chapter 21, his disciples go, let's go fishing. Why did they say, let's go fishing? Because that's what they were comfortable with. Let's go back to the way it was. Let's go back to the normal. Let's go back to the easy. I understand fishing. I get fishing. I get nine to five. I get my easy life. But Jesus has said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baptize him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Preaching good news to the poor. Go into places you don't like. You know, I've preached this so many times. You go past John chapter 21, you get over into Acts chapter 1, and Acts chapter 1 is part of what we were reading this week, if you were reading along with us. 
And Jesus says, when power comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Samaria. I was meditating on that a bit this week because Samaria, I've said this many times, but Samaria was that place that they didn't like. They didn't like Samaritans. They were actually told by the Jews, don't hang out with Samaritans. We despise Samaritans. They're not worthy of anything. And here Jesus is telling them, go into Samaria. Preach the good news. Go into the uttermost parts of the earth. Go to where you don't want to go. Where don't you want to go? I don't want to go down the street to the corner and talk to the prostitute. Now, I probably won't, okay? Just, just for the reality here. But somebody's called to. Your wife was called to. The first place that God ever sent me, the first place that God ever led me to go, witness. I had shared my faith with my friends because they were right there. It was within that first couple of weeks. I had, you know, they were asking, let's go do this. I said, I can't do that anymore. Why can't you do that? Well, I'm following Jesus now. I'm like, I'm a Christian. I'm different. And they're like, what? You're not, you're crazy. Get out of here. Finally, they told me to get out. So I was at home all by myself one night and it's cold outside. It is stinking cold. I'm sitting there and I'm, and I'm, I don't have anything to do because I don't have any friends. And, I, and it's cold outside. It's middle of winter in southern Minnesota, and you just, you know, nothing to do. What do you do? I didn't have a television. I needed to not watch the television. I just, I was all by myself. And so what do I do? I start reading the Word. I got read that for a while and got tired of that. So I, I picked up a track. And the track that I picked up, you know, it was a, one of those little, not a chick track. Well, it's kind of like a chick track. But it was the story of the Salvation Army, of, of John uh, Booth. John Booth how he had died. As a young man, he died of a disease. And he actually died and he was in heaven. He was walking towards heaven. As he walked towards heaven, as he could see the gates, and he was walking towards the gates, somebody came out and met him and he recognized him as a, as a neighbor who had died years before. And the neighbor goes, Oh, John, it's so good to see you. Hey, did you witness to my son? And John went, um, No, I didn't. Oh, okay, I was really hoping that somebody would have spoke to him. Somebody else walked up. He recognized them. Hey, did you talk to... No, I'm sorry, I didn't do it. Somebody else walked. People kept walking towards him. And the, long, the more people that walked towards him, they said, Hey, how's so-and-so doing? Are they a Christian yet? Are you? He's like, no, I've never said anything to him. And then he saw Jesus walking towards him. And as Jesus walked up to him, he didn't, didn't condemn him, didn't slam him, didn't, didn't, wasn't, you know, didn't point a finger at him. He just looked at him and said, do you understand why you have to go back? He goes, yes, let me go back. And he went back and began sharing his faith. He didn't go back and start the Salvation Army. He went back and just started sharing his faith with all those people that he hadn't yet, which turned into the Salvation Army. I mean, he was at the gate of eternity. I just heard a guy speak this week, and he made a statement that God showed him, let him have about two seconds glimpse of eternity. And he said his whole life was changed. He's like, that's it. I get it. I get, I get what this is all about. I'm in, he's, he says he just had a two-second glimpse. If a two-second glimpse changes a person's life, 
having died and standing at the gates and you see it all in front of you and you feel you, you're there and he still went, I need to go back. He chose to go back to the uncomfortable. And he went back to the lowly. He went back to the left out and the forgotten. But as I was thinking about this this, this week, about go to Samaria, the place I want to go, I actually met a pastor a couple of weeks ago and was sitting and having breakfast. A friend of mine, a mutual friend of mine, introduced me to him. He's from Albania. And he was telling me all about Albania and about their mission there. And okay, I, you know, as a courtesy to this friend of mine, I had, I had gone and was having breakfast with this man, and all of a sudden, it, it all of a sudden dawned on me, Albania. I, mean, I don't know much about Albania. He was telling I was I know more about Albania now, but I was taken back to what was it two years ago? I think it was two years ago, August. Yeah, it was almost exactly two years ago. I was in Hungary, and I was sitting and I was not sitting. I was standing. I was ministering to a group of kids at a camp, and I was. The Lord led me to teach on going to all the world, preach the gospel. First in Jerusalem, then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. And I went through Jerusalem as your hometown. Judea is your region, the area around. Samaria is the place you don't want to go. And I was expounding on that, and the pastor in the front row goes, Albania. <laughs> I was able to talk to him later, and he goes, yeah, he says, I just, I do not want to go to Albania. All of a sudden, I started thinking about that. You know, where's that place that you don't want to go? The place you don't want to go, it may be your family. For some, it's their family. They, they, you know, my family has treated me terrible. My family has rejected me since I've become a Christian. My family is this. My family is that. I don't want to go to my family. For some of you, maybe your neighbor. I don't want to witness to my neighbor. Why? On one side, it might be because, you know, they've been a jerk to me and their dog poops in my yard and I don't, they don't mow their yard. They don't do this and we've not got along. And I say we've already gotten into one argument and I don't want to go to my neighbor. On the other side, it's because, oh, they're awesome neighbors and they're amazing and they're like really rich and they're really, and they, they, what if they think I'm weird because I'm going to go over and how am I going to walk up the very first time and say, hi, I'm supposed to tell you about Jesus. Now, don't do it that way. Don't be weird about it. Think, pray about some creative way to show love and pray for open doors. But then you got to close the deal. I, I was reading this this morning about about John writing that verse. He says, I wrote these things so that you know all these miracles that Jesus did and all of it was to prove, to show that he was the Son of God. He was the Messiah and that through him you can have life. John closed the deal. We need to, be, we need to get to the point where we can close the deal. There needs to be at some point when you say to somebody, are you born again? Forget about what they may think about you. Forget it, because, you know, if, if you dance around the subject all day long and never come to the close, they have a bunch of information, but they still haven't made a choice. 
The, the question is not, do you know who Jesus is? That may be the opening question. That's a great opening question. That's a phenomenal opening question. But the closing question is, what have you done with him? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Have you repented of your sin? Have you asked for forgiveness? Have you put your total dependence of your eternal salvation, your eternity on him, in his name, on what he did at the cross? Are you trusting that that's the only way you can get into heaven? Because if you're not, if you're trying to get in some other way, it's not going to work. Now, for some people, that's really uncomfortable because it's at that moment where all the rubber hits the road to actually get to that point where you say, hey, here's the deal. You can't get there on your own. You can't get there by being good. You're, you're telling somebody, you know, sorry, the way you thought it was right is wrong. That's really uncomfortable. But it's absolutely necessary. You need Jesus. It's not good enough to be good. It's not good enough to have good intentions. It's not good enough to, to just not hurt somebody. There is only one name under heaven by which men might be saved. Only one name. And that name is Jesus. And He's the only one who died for your sins. He's the only one that can forgive sins. He's the only one. When you get to heaven, they're not going to ask you, how did it go for you? You know, not too bad. I had a pretty good time. You know, all the jokes about St. Peter at the gate. You know, spell this word and I'll let you into heaven. Those are funny jokes. I tell those jokes, okay. But that's not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is, is your name in, written in the, name, in the Lamb's book of life? Are you born again? Are you, have you repented and put all of your trust in Jesus? Because if, if you haven't done that, you missed it forever. That is too important. That is too important that a single person could walk out of this life into the next and not have answered that question. Not have dealt with that question. Now everybody gets a choice. You can absolutely have a choice. You can say, I don't believe what you're saying right now. I've had plenty of people tell me, I don't believe what you're saying. I don't believe it's true. And I'll say, well, here's the deal. It is, I'm, I'm banking my life on it. And they said, I, I, I'm, I'm not ready. I don't want to. Okay, that's fine. I actually have a lot of respect for that. You might think, oh, what do you mean you have a lot of respect? It's either hot or cold, folks. It's that middle part where you think you're okay and you're not. But if you've made a choice, okay, I'll still, you know, give you, I'll, I'll still be here for you. I'll still, you know, I had, I had that friend of mine. I had witnessed to him for months and months and months. He had messed with me and pushed my buttons and laughed at me and called me a freak and all those things, but he kept coming back, kept asking questions. And I finally said, that's it. Here's the deal. You have to make a decision with this. Jesus is the only way. You have to repent. You have to accept what he did on the cross. You have to put your trust. You have to, you have, to have faith. And the guy looked me right straight in the eyes and goes, bottom line, John, okay, I'm not messing with you right now. Here's the bottom line. I'm living with my girlfriend and I don't want to move out. 
And I don't think I can accept Jesus right now and still live with her. So I'm not going to do that. I get what you're saying. I'm, I, I've been messing with you for a long time. I'm just being honest with you right now. He says, I'm not interested because uh, I don't want to change the way that I'm living. And I sat back and I said, fair enough. Fair enough. As much as that was painful to watch somebody reject Christ, I get it. He made his choice. And I was able to walk away with a clean conscience. I did what I was supposed to do. Now, a couple years later, I still have not seen that man since that day. But I heard from somebody else two years later that he became a believer, became trusted in Jesus. I'm looking forward to eternity. I don't even know where he's at anymore. But you've got to close the deal. But that's uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable. Well, get over it. The whole time Jesus was revealing himself to them in John chapter 20 and before and after that, they were locked up in a room because they were afraid of what the Jews might do to them. They were all locked up because they were just, they just didn't want to face the uncomfortableness outside. Inside they were comfortable. They didn't want to go out there. So the last thing Jesus said to him says, here's the deal. You need to wait. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power. He wasn't mad at him. He didn't point his finger at him. He didn't scold them. He just said, you need, okay guys, here's the deal. Go to Jerusalem and wait. When the Holy Spirit comes, you'll have power to do what I'm asking you to do. And what happened? They were still in that upper room. They were still locked in on the day of Pentecost. But as soon as the Holy Spirit filled them, it just says they spilled out into the streets. They couldn't hold it in anymore. They couldn't help. Now, I'm going to take it one step further. And then I'll back away and you can... being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people make a doctrine on go and wait. You know, in different, different denominations say it different way. You know, you need to tarry. You need to wait until, just wait till this magical moment when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You just need to wait. And it's not up to you. It's not your choice. It's not anything that you're going to do. It's just you need to, just need to wait. And so people wait. And they say, hey, nothing's happened. I don't know. I'm off the hook here. The only reason they had to wait in Acts chapter 1 was because the day of Pentecost hadn't come yet. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, when fulfillment had happened, when that day had come, the Holy Spirit came on that day. He, he, he came to fulfill prophecy. He didn't because they finally waited long enough. From that time forward, from that day forward, 
If you ask the Holy Ghost to come into your life, if you ask to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will be baptized from the Spirit in that moment. You don't have to wait a second. You don't have to wait for a week. You don't have to wait to get your life cleaned up. You don't have to wait until the winds are going in a just certain way. You don't have to wait for nothing because the Bible says, Jesus even said, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father in Heaven wants to give you the Holy Spirit. He wants to baptize you. He wants you filled right now. You ask, He says, He's not going to give you a stone. He's not going to give you a serpent. He's not going to you know, bait and switch you. If you ask to, for, to, for Him to fill you with the Holy Spirit, He will fill you with the Holy Spirit and you receive the Holy Spirit right that moment. You don't have to wait a second. Father, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Somebody here just said, well, nothing happened. I just said, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, be being filled. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. You're thinking, well, nothing happened. Wrong. It's not true. I asked. He filled. Well, but nothing happened. It isn't about what you see. How do I know? that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because He said He would. It's by faith. The same way you get born again. Well, you're not speaking in tongues. No. Because the Bible says the Spirit of the prophet has control, has, has control over. You, I, God's not going to make me do anything that I'm not willing, not, not ready, not supposed to do. It's not about an outward display right at this moment. It's about trust. It's about belief. It's about walking in the Spirit and, ag and agreeing with what His Word is saying that I asked, I received. But shouldn't you be shaking? Shouldn't you dance a little bit? Shouldn't you whoop or something? No. The first time I ever asked God to come into my life, to be, I said, Holy Spirit, if this stuff is true, I grew up from a denomination that just that taught against it. And it took me a long time for me to get my head wrapped around this idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. When I asked, I said, okay, I keep reading this. It's right here. I can't help it. I believe your Spirit is telling me this is true. I put my Bible down. I'm sitting in my bedroom. I said, here's the deal, God. I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. And that exactly what just happened right now, what looked like happened on the outside, is exactly what nothing. I didn't feel anything. I didn't hear anything. There were no flashing lights. There were no trumpets. There were no. And I, I have to admit, when I when that first did, that, I was like, huh. But then. Praise God for the person who gave me the, the teachings and said, now the, the evidence of speaking, or the evidence of, of being filled with the Spirit is not an outward expression. The, it's the fact that God promised He would do it, and He has done it. Everything else I walked out by faith. Have there been times when I've shaken? Oh, yeah. Have there been times when I've seen and heard things? Absolutely. I could tell you stories that would just... Bless you all day long. But that's not the point. The point is we need to walk it out by faith. We need to believe it and stand up. We need to move forward. 
even though we don't see or have a tangible expression on the outside. By faith have I danced. Oh, I have danced. I have danced uncontrollably, spinning around, hooting and hollering. Okay, I'm in. It's wonderful. I've fallen under the power. I've seen miracles. I've, I've seen people he healed instantaneously. I've seen people healed over long periods of time. I've seen all that stuff. But I don't have to see it to believe it because I know it's true because His Word is true and that's the way life is. But get filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. Let's all stand. I've asked the worship team to come back up. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back into worship. We're going to pray first before we do. I just want to let you know, there are offering, able, offering envelopes on the table. That's all I'm going to say other than after service, deal with that accordingly. The ushers will be waiting by the... They will be ready to, to serve you and be waiting to receive your offering if you so desire. Because what's important here today is what we're talking about. What we're talking about is God has a plan for this church. He has a plan for us to, to, to have 24 churches over the next eight years now. Eight years between here, between Prescott and Solon Springs. A network of churches. Why? Because as He is pulling, pouring out His Spirit, we need places for people to be able to come to and hear the, the Word of God, hear the, the truth of faith and love and, and the name of Jesus preached. Are there other churches? Absolutely, there's all kinds of churches out there. But I know what He's told us. This is what we're supposed to do. So that's what we're doing. But the only way we can do it is to be filled with the Spirit. Be being filled. So this morning, I want you to just close your eyes. I want you to raise your hands up. And I want you to just pray this real quick. Nothing crazy, wild, or anything. It's just saying, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Father, you've heard each and every heart. You've heard each and every desire, each and every draw on your spirit. Father, I thank you that your word is true and that you are filling us with your Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses. Where we've had trouble in the past, you'll give us the power to step out and say, here's what the truth is. Father, this morning, so that we can be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.